0: Good morning. Well, um, I'm Pastor Jake. I'm the lead pastor here at Great Oaks, and it's my honor and privilege to get to um, unpack the Word of God with you and for you as we study uh, what He wants us to, to study today. And I'm glad you're here. Summer's over. School started. Uh, that means nothing for you if you don't have school-aged kids. It's like another Sunday, another regular day, and summer's not over to you, right, because it's still hot outside. Uh, but if you have kids in school, summer uh, is over and you may have rejoiced when that day came, uh, the first day of school, or you may have been the parent like, oh, my kid's going and I'm so sad and whatever. I don't know um, what's wrong with you if you're that parent, but um, <laughs> but uh, summer is over and maybe you're here and you just like weren't here all summer. Like you thought we were closed this last three months and um, so you, you've returned, and so we want to welcome you back too. You're not really a first-time guest, but it's been a few months since you've been here. This summer, we actually did have church, which was super exciting, and uh, we we had an awesome summer. We went through the Book of Colossians verse by verse, and God did some amazing things. How many you who were here? How many of you thought was that awesome? What God did through the Book of Colossians? And so, uh, if you missed that, hey, don't you know? Don't don't be mad that I'm calling you out on it. Just go to greatoaks.church and watch those messages, watch those services even, and uh, you can kind of catch up that way and God can speak to you through that. So um, we'll be kind of today leafing through uh, the Gospels a bit, uh, but if you have your Bible you can grab it, head over to uh, the book of Mark and just look at chapter 1 and we'll get there eventually. But like I said, we'll be kind of flipping back and forth in the uh, four Gospels today. So uh, a while back, I came downstairs, and I had, my, uh, I had my Captain America shirt on, and my son Joshua, who's four, saw me in this Captain American shirt, and he goes, you're wearing your Captain America shirt, and he took off running, went upstairs, and then a couple minutes later, came down, and he had his Captain America shirt on, and, and he said, I'm just like you, Daddy, disciple number one, right? <laughs> And then uh, my two-year-old Hannah saw this whole thing happen and in her own way, she said, I want to be like you. I want to I wear a Captain America shirt too. So I scooped her up. We ran upstairs, put her Captain America shirt on, came down, and she said, I'm just like you, Daddy Disciple number two. By the end of the whole thing, I think all three of my kids and my wife, Erin, were all wearing Captain America shirts just like Daddy. Speaking of uh, my wife, Erin, we... Uh, Don't look at her. Um, (laughs) We have, we 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 differ on some things. Um, We have some different opinions about some things. We're just different, and it's it's God's way of sanctifying me. Um, But I'll I'll go more in depth in that in our um, marriage series in November. So don't (laughs) miss miss that. But um, we're just different on some things. We have some some differing opinions, and there's just one big debate that we have in our house, and it's really. It's really an age-old debate, like thousands of years this debate has been going on between husbands and wives, and really it surrounds how do you load the dishwasher, all right? And (laughs) it's really all about the silverware, and the debate is, you know, you probably already know the debate, right? But the debate is, should you... Put the silverware in those little cubbies, in those little slots in the dishwasher. Should you put those in there willy-nilly with no regard for order, decency, or the well-being of humankind? <laughs> or should you put them in there by their kind? Forks in one, spoons in the other, knives in the other, so that when you when you unload the dishwasher later after they're clean, it's easier and you feel like something you know, at least one thing is right in this messed up world. (laughs) So which, you know, which way should you do this? We've got this kind of debate going back on. You probably have no idea which side I lie, I land on that. Um, But let me just do an informal poll real quick, just so we can kind of know (laughs) where we're at. Um, How many of you think that uh, you should put them in there based on the kind, like forks in one, knives in one? Anybody in the, yeah, Okay. Yeah, I'm really embarrassed by our church right now, but that's okay. How many of you say it doesn't matter? You just put them in there. You just put them in You're what's wrong with the world. You are what's wrong with the world right now. So, yeah. Yeah, that didn't go the way I wanted it to go. But but my uh, hashtag, we're with Aaron. Anyways. Our kids are watching this debate go on, right? And so we have a nine-year-old daughter, Kennedy, who, who helps with the dishes. And so she's watching this whole thing happen. And, um, and so I was watching her unload or load the dishwasher uh, not too long ago and she was putting the silverware in and I was just watching a little bit from a distance and I just wanted to see what would happen like whose disciple is she right like whose is she mine or her mother's and so I'm just kind of watching from a distance and she didn't know but this was like a huge decisive moment in the trajectory of her little life right I mean that's how serious this was like put them in there willy-nilly and she's gone down this path of destruction and darkness right (laughs) Put them in there, forks in one, you know, in order, and she has a chance at life and godliness. And so there's this thing happening. I'm just watching. And sometimes it's apparent you just gotta watch and see what happens. And so I watched Kennedy as she grabbed the, the silverware and she went to put them all in there, all in one um, one cubby hole there, all together. And but then she kind of paused. And I could see, like, I could imagine this debate going on in her head. Which way is she gonna fall on this deal? She kind of looked at the dishwasher for a second, and then she straightened up, and she put the forks in one, the knives in the other, and I ran across the living room, picked her up, spun around like she won the Super Bowl. Okay, that last part might not be true. Today, we're starting a a three-week series on discipleship called Follow Me, and here's the thing I want you to understand for this series. Two things, really. First, you are already a disciple you are already following someone because you're not original i'm not original there really is no such thing as individualism or even independence we're all following someone some ideology or truth or lifestyle or belief put forth by another human being we are all disciples all followers an author named mark deaver said it this way to be human is to be a disciple God didn't present Adam and Eve with a choice between discipleship and independence, but between following him and following Satan. We are all disciples. The only question is, of whom? So you're already a disciple, a follower, whether you realize it or not. Then secondly, you're not just a disciple. You are already a disciple maker. You are a follower of someone, and someone is following you. And it's not just your kids. But it's easiest to see it in them, right? They wear the shirt. They do what you did. It's easy to see in them. But there's other people that you are discipling, other family members, coworkers, friends, even strangers that you are discipling towards something. And that's the question: Where are you taking them? What are you discipling them towards? So follow me here. If it's if that's true, then it's not about if. We'll leave behind disciples, followers, when we leave this earth. But what kind of followers will we leave behind? When you exit off of the highway of this life and into the next, what will you leave behind? It will be disciples, followers. But followers of whom? Where will they be going? My prayer is that by the end of this three week series, You're owning this whole thing instead of just kind of letting it happen. That you're intentionally making disciples instead of accidentally making disciples. Let me show you what basically is our theme verse for this series. This is a a verse that I pray will become one of your verses. That you'll put it on your mirror. That you'll memorize it. that, That you'll let it change the way you live and the way that you think. It's 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul Writing And he says in the modern English version, follow me as I follow Christ. The ESV has it this way. Imitate me as I, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Like a child, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Follow me as I follow Christ. You are making disciples whether you realize it or not. But where are you leading them? You have a life statement, a lot like this statement in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. It might just look a little different. You have a a statement that you live out with your life that's just like this. Maybe it says, Follow me as I follow money. Follow me as I follow busyness. Follow me as I follow status. Follow me as I follow my kids. Follow me as I follow sports. Follow me as I follow me. You have a statement just like this, that you are living. You might not say it out loud, but your life screams this statement. Follow me as I follow something. You scream that with your decisions, where you go, how you spend your time, where you put your money. You're saying, follow me. But where are you leading people? So today in the first week of this series, we want to talk about you as a follower. You're a follower whether you realize it or not, but who are you really following? And then we'll spend the other two weeks of this series talking about leading others in the right direction, looking at the scriptures to see how we're supposed to disciple others. But as we talk about this idea of being a follower of Jesus, my fear is that that not many of us really are followers of Jesus. Now, I'll just put that out there. I think probably very few of us, maybe none of us in this room, are enemies of Jesus. So that's a good thing, right? Not a lot of us are enemies of Jesus. But I think very few of us are followers of Jesus either. You decide, but I think we may have a lot of fans of Jesus. We may have a lot of friends of Jesus. But very few followers of Jesus. Because followers of Jesus are different than fans or friends of Jesus. Look at a few scriptures in Mark with me. Mark chapter 1, Jesus is calling his first disciples. That says this in Mark 1 16, passing alongside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Look at the next chapter, Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 13. This is when he calls the tax collector Levi. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Look at Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 starting in verse 34 says this. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples Jesus said to them if anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. One more out of Mark in Mark chapter 10. This time a rich young ruler, rich young man comes to Jesus and asks him basically, how do I get to heaven? So we got a rich guy wanting to get to heaven. That's based, globally, that's everybody in this room. We're rich people wanting to get to heaven, right? Globally, that's who we are. And so he asks this question of Jesus, and, and he, Jesus tells him, basically, you need to follow the law. The, the rich young, young man says, I've, I've done that since I was a kid. And Jesus says this in verse 21. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Jesus was constantly, and is still constantly saying this to people, follow me, not like me, not friend me, not even love me or believe in me, but follow me follow me being a follow follower of Jesus is different than being a fan of Jesus or even being a friend of Jesus let me let me say it this way let's say you're a baseball person do we have any baseball people in here okay I thought maybe we might um you guys are not representing today, but just wait till I, there's a couple key words. I'm going to say some words and I'm pretty sure we're going to get some cheers here in just a moment, okay? You guys who are not baseball people, watch this as like a social experiment and see <laughs> what kind of happens. But let's say you're a baseball person, you like Major League Baseball. If you're a fan of local legend Ben Zobris, who plays second base for the Cubs, yeah. I thought, I thought, I think I messed you up by setting you up there. Or Matt Carpenter, third baseman for the Cards. Yeah. Okay, there it was. That was the key. If you're, if you're taking notes, that was the key there. If you're fans of those guys, you, you like what they do, right? You like what they do for the Cubs or the Cards. You watch them. You're, you watch them on TV. And you say things like, come on, Carpenter. Or let's do this, SoBrus. Don't let me down. Right? If you're a fan, you know that Carpenter has 33 home runs, most in the National League. And Zobrist, until very recently, was batting 400 after the all star break, but now he's at 309. Still pretty awesome, right? And when one of them did something good that you liked this last week in a game, if you're a fan, you said, That's my boy. Yeah, that's my boy. But you don't really know him, do you? We don't really know these guys. You're just a fan watching from afar. It's the same with Jesus. A fan of Jesus likes what Jesus does. You're not an enemy of Jesus. You know him. You know about him, at least. You you support him. It's like, do you like Jesus? Yeah, I like Jesus. I mean, Jesus was a good guy. He said some really great things. He helped people. Yeah, I totally, I like Jesus, sure, You're you're a fan of Jesus, and just like with baseball, you can be a baseball fan who's kind of a casual fan, or you can be a baseball fan who like knows all the stats, the ERAs, the batting averages, the number of home runs, whether or not your team has a chance to make it this year. You can be that kind of a fan of Jesus too. You can know some things He said, know the main things. You can even have some specific things in your life or in somebody else's life that's close to you that, that you like Jesus for. You like these things that he did. Do you like Jesus? Yeah, I like Jesus. I mean, he came for the sinner. He came to heal the sick. Yeah, I like Jesus. He did, said some great things that really helped my mom out of some depression. Yeah, I like Jesus. See, a fan of Jesus likes what Jesus does. Now, if you're a friend of Ben Zobrist or Matt Carpenter, that changes things, doesn't it? If you actually know them, then then you don't just know their stats. You don't just know stats. I can look up in a few seconds on my ESPN app or MLB app. You know them. You you know their struggles. You, You hang out. You're with them after the season. You you see the pain behind the game. You see the ice shoulders and the bruised knees and the rigid diet. And you see the disappointment after a really hard loss. If you're a friend of these guys, you see all of that. And also, they know you. I mean, Zobris gets you tickets. Carpenter comes to your birthday party, Right? I mean, there's something more than baseball here. You start to not only like what they do for the Cubs and the Cards, but you start to like what they do for you, for your family. They're more than just a baseball player, and you're more than just a faceless fan. You're friends. It's the same with Jesus. A friend of Jesus likes what Jesus does for them. Jesus is my friend. He's done so much for me. He's helped me so much. I mean, I love him. He's, I talk to him every day. Jesus is my friend. He's my friend. Jesus, Jesus is my homeboy. We're tight. His teachings have helped me understand life. His teachings have helped me be a better person, a better father, a better mother, a better worker. He's, he's helped me. Yeah, Jesus is my friend. I mean, of course Jesus is my friend. I, I share his posts all the time, right? I mean, I share Jesus' posts like every day. Go look at my timeline. You'll see it. I'm retweeting Jesus left and right. He's my friend. Yeah, Jesus is my friend. I mean, I go to his birthday party every year on December 25th. <laughs> and he's so generous. I get all these presents when I go. Yeah, Jesus is my, is my friend. This Jesus thing is not a hobby on the edge of your life like baseball, but it's also not the center of your life either. I mean, just like with your other friends, sometimes, sometimes you get too busy for Jesus. Sometimes you ignore his calls. And just like with your other friends, if Jesus starts to make you too uncomfortable, starts to ask too much of you, starts to get real serious when you don't want to get real serious, calls you on your jump that you don't want to be called on, you may bail on the friendship altogether because you're just a friend of Jesus. A friend of Jesus likes what Jesus does for them. But back to baseball for a second. Listen, this is important. At this point, you're still not a follower of Zobrist or Carpenter, right? You're a friend, but you're not a follower because while you see the iced shoulder after the game, your shoulder feels fine, right? When you see the the disappointment after a loss, you're not all that disappointed. You feel bad for your friend, but you're not all that disappointed. While you notice that Carpenter stays away from the carbs and eats a lot of protein at your birthday party, you eat carbs and ice cream and cake like it's going out of style, right? You don't have to do what they're doing. You're still just a friend. While you saw Zobris jacked up ankle from getting hit by a pitch a couple seasons ago, you don't have any issues with your ankle. You might be a friend, but you're not a follower. Because to be a follower, you not only like what they do for the team and like what they do for you, but you begin to do what they do, right? A follower is at practice throwing like they throw. Swinging like they swing. That's what a follower is doing. A follower is watching how Zobris handles a hard ground ball on the first base side when there's a runner on second. And then asking him why he did that and trying to do it himself, right, yourself. A follower is watching Carpenter in practice how he lets a one pitch go by that looks low and outside and another one that looked the same to you he takes a swing at. And he, a follower asks Carpenter, why would you do that? And then tries to do the same. A follower feels the loss almost as much, and maybe as much, as they do. A follower does what they do. It's the same with Jesus. A follower of Jesus does what Jesus does. It's more than being a fan from afar. It's more than liking Jesus. It's more than just acknowledging that Jesus has done good things for you, for your life, in your life. It's more than just receiving. It's more than just knowing. It's even more than just believing or even loving. It's doing what Jesus does. Talking the way Jesus talks. Going where Jesus goes. Running after the things that Jesus runs after. Prioritizing the things that Jesus prioritizes, giving the way Jesus gives, selling out to the things that Jesus sells out to. See, when you're a follower of Jesus, not just a fan or a friend, it changes the trajectory of your life. It changes your priorities. Everything else in your life is based on this. Everything else is dependent on this, connected to this, centered on following Jesus. Jesus is not at the edge of your life. He's at the center. A follower of Jesus does what Jesus does. So which one are you? That's the question, right? Which one are you? Are you a fan of Jesus, a friend, or a follower? My guess is that we may have a few fans, a few followers, and a lot of friends of Jesus. That's just my guess. But let's spend the rest of our time today leafing through some of the Gospels. We're going to kind of look through Matthew and John. And as we look through those, let's see some characteristics of a follower of Jesus. What is Jesus? Jesus wasn't silent about what it meant to be his disciple, about what it meant to be his follower. He wasn't quiet about that. He talked about it a lot. We could spend the next 10 weeks talking about just this. What are characteristics of a follower of Jesus? He wasn't quiet about it. He talked about it all the time. And so as we kind of leaf through these gospel passages, just begin to examine yourself and ask yourself, am I? Am I lining up here? Am I a follower of Jesus the way that Jesus says I should be? When he said, follow me, what did he mean? What did he mean? So we're going to look at Matthew and John, and then we're going to jump to Luke, Luke 14. And we're going to get one characteristic of a follower of Jesus and spend some time there that I think um, God wants us to, to focus on. So here we go. What are some characteristics of a follower of Jesus? Matthew Chapter 4, verse 19, says this. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We touched, base on, we touched on this um, in Mark chapter 1 earlier. I'll make you fishers of men. So. Followers of Jesus, this is a hallmark of a follower of Jesus. We're going to get more into this as the series goes on. But followers of Jesus are making other followers of Jesus. They're out fishing for men and women to receive Christ, to follow Christ. Fishers of men. Look at Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 43. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven." Listen to this last part. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So following Jesus means we do what Jesus does, right? So Jesus said, my Father in heaven and also him because he's also always with his Father, right? They're one in the Trinity. And so Jesus, he's saying, I, I let rain fall on the just and the unjust. The sun shine on the evil and the good. So also, just like I do, Jesus is saying, you should do. It's easy to love people who are your friend and who are nice to you. It's easy to love your family when they're all around you and you, you like them. People you like, people who are nice to you, that's easy. Jesus says, if you're going to be a follower of me, not just a fan or a friend. You can be a fan and not do this. You can be a friend and not do this. But if you're going to be a follower of me, Jesus says, you got to love not just the people who like you and who you like, but you got to love your enemies. Those who betray you, those who spit on you, those who let you down, those who you have bitterness in your heart towards, you need to love them too. Towards the end of Matthew chapter twenty, or towards the end of Matthew in chapter 28, this is the Great Commission, starting in verse 19, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So now we're not just catching followers of Jesus, new followers of Jesus. We're not just fishing for people who don't know Jesus. This isn't catch and release, right? We're not just out trying to make converts, but Jesus says, no, if you're a follower of me, then you're going to make disciples, you're going to disciple them. You're going to teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. You're going to bring them along, right? So it gets even, even deeper. Look at the gospel, the gospel of John. The gospel of John in, verse, in chapter 13. I'll give you 1 in 13, 1 in 14, and 1 in 15. Right in a row here so you don't even have to turn pages maybe. John 13, he says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So followers of Jesus do what Jesus does. He's talking to his disciples, and he's talking to them about loving each other. It's not just about loving the lost. It's not just about loving the world. It's not just about loving your enemy. He goes, no, no, no. You need to love each other disciples, other followers, Christians, the church. You need to love each other. In fact, he goes, this is how they're going to know that you are my disciple. How, how, what's a hallmark of a follower of Jesus? What's a main characteristic of a follower of Jesus? That's our question. What are some characteristics? Well, Jesus goes, this is how they're going to know that you're one of my followers, that you love each other, that you show the world how much you love each other. Look at John 14, verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. This one seems like a pretty obvious one in the Christian faith, but it's just not. There are many, many people who claim to be followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, Christ followers, who live blatantly and obviously and directly and intentionally in a way that is contrary to what Jesus clearly commands. You can be a fan of Jesus and not follow his commands. You can even be a a friend at a friend level of Jesus and not follow his commands. If you're at a friend level with Jesus, you're just going to follow the commands that don't make you too uncomfortable, right? Right? You're just going to be like, okay, I'll do this, but I won't do this. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you must strive in every way to follow his commands. You can't be a follower of Jesus and not strive to follow his commandments. It's impossible. Look at John 15, starting in verse 4. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Skip down to verse 8. He says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. Listen to this last part. And so prove to be my disciples. So Jesus is talking to the disciples about what it means to be a follower of him. Followers of Jesus are connected to the vine. They don't just know about Jesus. They're dependent on him in their daily lives. They, they abide and live and remain in Jesus at all times. He's the vine. The, vol- the followers are the branches. And then verse 8, this is how we prove that we are his disciples. Well, I don't have to prove that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I don't know. What are you going to do with John 15, verse 8? Because he said, this is how you prove that you're one of my disciples, my followers. You bear fruit. In other words, you produce for Jesus, not in order to earn his love, but because his love has already been freely given. You produce for Jesus. You produce followers for Jesus. You produce disciples for Jesus. You produce peace for Jesus. You produce glory for God. You feed the poor. You help the widow. You help the orphan. You're out serving people. You're out spreading the truth of the gospel. You're showing love to those who nobody else wants to show love to. You are bearing fruit. Even when it's inconvenient, a follower of Jesus... Proves that they are a follower of Jesus by bearing fruit, Jesus said. All right, last one. Look at the Gospel of Luke 14, verse 26. The Gospel of Luke 14, chapter 14, verse 26. This, is, this one's pretty harsh, but it, this is where it's at. If anyone comes to me, Jesus said, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Skip down to verse 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. This doesn't mean that you should go out after church today and hate your family, right? Like I don't know if you were thinking about doing that. Maybe you were looking for an excuse this morning. Maybe maybe you already posted it on Facebook, like hashtag hate my wife. It's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. I just don't think you should do that. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying here that in comparison, it's still intense. I don't want to pull back on the intensity. It's still very intense what Jesus said. He's saying, in comparison, you should love me so much and give me so much and give up so much for me that your love for anyone and anything else looks like hate in comparison. Are you tracking with me? He's going, this is how much you should give up. If you're a follower of me. So when Jesus says, follow me, he means do what I do. And that means there's a cost. There is no cost to being a fan of Jesus. There is no cost to being a friend of Jesus. But there is absolutely a cost to being a follower of Jesus. Do what Jesus does. Jesus went all the way to the cross, arrested, beaten, unfairly tried, beaten again, nailed to a cross, mocked, thorns jammed on his head, speared in the side, so a follower of Jesus is someone who counts the cost, pays whatever price is necessary, gives everything up, renounces everything. That's different than a casual fan, isn't it? I mean, that's different than what a lot of us are doing in our following of Jesus. That's, a different, that's different than what a lot, of us, a lot of us think about when we think about a Christian or somebody who goes to church. That's different then Jesus is my homeboy, right? What I'm saying is that a follower of Jesus, follower of Jesus is all in, all in. There's no halfway for a follower of Jesus. There's no middle ground. I used to have a youth pastor who said, the fence is the devil's property. You can't ride the fence on this one, beloved. You can't. You're either a follower of Jesus or you're not. Fan doesn't matter. Friend doesn't matter. Follower. Are you a follower of Jesus, striving to do what he does? Go where he goes. Say what he says. Care about what he cares about. Give your life to whatever he gave his life to. Listen, no matter what it costs you. Even if it means you don't do what other people in your circle do because you're all in as a follower of Jesus. Even if it means you got to get a new circle. Because you're all in as a follower of Jesus. Even if it means your kids don't do what other kids do at school. They don't spend the hours that other kids spend in sports or chess or band or whatever it is. Because your kids are out with you serving the poor. Helping people in need. Spreading the gospel. Because you're all in as a follower of Jesus. Even if it means you don't spend your money like your friends spend their money because you're all in as a follower of Jesus. Even if it means you're uncomfortable, you get uncomfortable as God leads you out of your comfort zone because you're all in as a follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus is is all in. It's different than just being a, a fan or a friend. It's different than just believing that Jesus is real or liking him or even loving him. Being a follower of Jesus means you do what Jesus does. The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Whether you realize it or not, you are both a follower and you have followers. You are a disciple and you are making disciples, right? Now, when you leave this world, there will be a string of followers left behind. More than just the kids in your house. Where will they be going? The answer is simple. They'll be going wherever you're going now. They'll be saying whatever they hear you say now. They'll be doing whatever it is you're doing now. They'll prioritize whatever it is you're prioritizing now. They'll be following whoever and whatever you're following now. Wearing the Captain America t-shirt. Putting the dishes in the dishwasher the way you do. It's not just follow me. It's follow me as I follow Christ. Christ. So the question you have to ask yourself before we get into how we make followers of Jesus and how we disciple people and how we do that biblically, the question you have to ask yourself before all of that is, are you a follower of Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that, as always, your word would be heard, accepted, God, that it would bear fruit, that it would not be easily forgotten this week, God. Whatever is of me, whatever is extra, God, would it just fall to the wayside? But would your word begin to grow roots in our heart and change things? God, I pray for those in here who would say, man, I, I want to be a follower of Jesus, but I, I, I don't think I am. I think I'm more a casual fan or, or maybe a friend of Jesus. I have yet to fully commit my life over to him, to listen to him, to to embody what it means to follow Jesus. Lord, for those in this room who are in that place, I pray, God, that you would bring them ever closer to you, ever closer to following you. That today would be a decision moment, a decision day, where they would... Say, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what it costs, no matter what it means, no matter what I have to change in my life. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would overcome the doubts that are in their hearts and minds right now. God, that you would overcome the lies of the enemy that would say you'll never be able to follow Jesus. You'll never be able to give up what you need to give up. You'll never be able to be a a true disciple of Jesus or make other disciples of Jesus. Lord, I pray against all of that. I pray, Lord, that your voice, Holy Spirit, that your voice would reign supreme in the hearts of everybody, in the heart of everybody in this room, God. As we continue in an attitude of prayer with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I don't want you to leave here and, and think I didn't have a, a chance to become a follower of Jesus. I didn't have a chance to really. Go from fan or friend to follower. Completely sold out to this Jesus thing. Jesus at the center of my life. All in. So I want to give you that moment right now, that chance right now. If you're in this room today, you would say, Up to this point, I have not been a follower of Jesus. Not really. I like Jesus, I'm not an enemy of Jesus. I'm a fan. I'm a friend. But I haven't yet become a follower. I haven't yet gone all in with Jesus. If you're in this room, and that's you today, I want to invite you just to pray in your own words, in your mind, out loud. Just pray right now where you're sitting. And just ask the Holy Spirit to help you take a step towards becoming a follower of Jesus. To help you right now that the Holy Spirit would transform you into a a different person, someone who is totally in to following Jesus, ready to give him whatever he asks for, ready to totally sell out to Jesus. Make him the center. Make the sacrifices that need to be made. Choose him over other things in your life. Just ask God to help you with that. You need the Holy Spirit to transform you. It's something that he does, something that I can't do, that you can't do, something that he does. But if that's you, And you're saying that prayer in your your mind or in your own words. I want to give you a chance just to respond so that I can pray for you. So if you want to become a follower of Jesus today, you'd say, I I don't think I've been a follower of Jesus. Not in the way that Jesus talks about in the Gospels that we just kind of leaf through today. I want to be a follower of Jesus, if that's you, with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, so I can pray for you. Would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Yeah, I see that hand. Anyone else? Yeah, hands going up all over the place. Keep those hands up. That's a lot of hands. Let me just pray over you. Prayer workers are praying. They're ready to pray for you during this last song if you need it. But let me just pray over you. Keep those hands up in Jesus' name. I pray that this be a hallmark, watershed, life-changing moment, God. For these who have their hands up, that they would say, I am and will always be a follower of Jesus totally sold out, all in, above anything else, I am a follower of Jesus. Even in questions and doubts and all of that, I'm going to follow Jesus. I pray in this moment, Holy Spirit, that you would do what only you can do, that you would transform hearts, that you would transform minds, that you would renew us and conform us into your image, God. I pray against the devil who would come in and say that didn't matter, Who would come in and try to snatch the seed away like you said, Jesus? The the devil that would lie and say, this isn't a big thing. You're fine the way you are. It's okay to stay at your level. It's fine. God, I pray against that. And in Jesus' name, I pray that your voice, Holy Spirit, would just be so loud in our hearts and minds. That we would be drawn to becoming full followers of you. Beyond fans and friends, full followers of you. I pray this over these who have their hands raised and who want to give their lives to you today completely. We love you. We give this to you. We trust you with this. And we ask that you would transform all of us, that each of us would leave here a little different than we came in. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Let's give the Lord a, a clap of praise. He's good. He's good. Why don't you stand with me? here's my prayer for you we've got prayer workers on the side you can pray with them about anything during this last song or after this last song if you want to wait till it's over we'd love for you to stay and sing with us but here's my prayer for you may you see clearly whom you are following and who is following you and if you're a fan or a friend of Jesus this morning may you be convicted and challenged and even drawn into being a follower of Jesus And sometime very soon, maybe even today, may you be able to say with your life, follow me as I follow Christ. God bless you. Thank you for coming today. Make sure you sign up for a life group if you're not in one so you can talk this over with your life group this week. And as always, my challenge to you is to not let this stop with you. Just like you've been helped to take your next step towards God today, go out and help others take their next steps towards God. Open the scriptures to Luke 14. Leaf through the gospels with somebody and talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and you yourself be a Jesus follower who makes and disciples other Jesus followers. Sing with us.